Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And it's taken a couple of weeks, but uh, I think we've got him right now. It's NBA agent Mark Bartlestein. And Mark, you know, you rep guys that are big time around the NBA right now. Household names, Bradley Beal. Gordon Hayward, uh, former Celtic favorite Antoine Walker. So I'm hoping that that you can help us understand what it's all about when these guys want to play with one another, despite the fact that general managers might not have that as their first idea. When the players get it in their head, they really do a good job these days angling to play with one another. Well, you know, I don't know how much it is about angling to play with a particular player or anything like that. I think players all want to be in situations where they're happy, where they uh, enjoy the, the organization they're playing for, where they feel like they can have success you know, on the court. Everybody loves to win. Winning is, is so much more fun than losing, obviously. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of variables. It's like anybody that's, that has a job, you, you want to be in a city that you enjoy. You want to have your family in an environment where they can be successful and be happy. Uh, you want to be productive and successful at your job which in the NBA is winning games. So, you know, there's, there's all those variables that, that go into it, and obviously there's the economics of it also. So uh, there, there's just a lot of factors that go in, and as a player you only have so many uh, opportunities to make a choice on where you can play uh, during the course of your career, certainly when you're in the prime of your career, and you want to make the very best choice possible. Hey, Mark, before I get into everything that went down with, uh, with the Lakers and the Celtics and the Pelicans and, and how all that sort of stuff works, I do want to ask you about, uh, you know, about your current client, Gordon Hayward. You just mentioned all the variables that go into a player being happy in a particular environment. So it's no secret that Gordon has struggled through his comeback season here with the Celtics. You just had dinner with him last week. Is Gordon still happy here in Boston? Sure. I think, you know, for Gordon, the, the biggest thing right now is he's just – every day is, is a process for him. You know, he's trying to regain, uh, you know, all his explosiveness. He's trying to regain all of his confidence. He's still trying to fit in to a role that he's never been – you know, quite frankly, not used to. So there's, there's a lot for him to, to handle, and, and he's working through it. And I think all things considered, uh, I think he's doing terrific. And there's certain nights where it's, it's not a – you know, I wouldn't say it's a straight linear line in terms of his progress. I think we've all seen through the season where he's he's a far better player and more uh, I think more assertive today than he was you know back in October November. But it's not a straight line. He's going to take big steps forward and then it'll level off and then he'll take steps forward again. So uh, he's working really hard at. There's a lot of different things that he's got to manage right now. It's again like I said, the role he's in is unlike anything he's ever been in before. Uh, he's trying to get his game back. He, what people don't realize with Gordon is it, it wasn't just that he missed all of last season. 
He also missed the entire summer. You know, he did not play any five-on-five, any competitive basketball, literally until he got to training camp. And so that's for an NBA player, they use the summers to get better and to work on their games uh, to build off of what they did the previous year. So not only did he not play the previous year, but he couldn't do anything all summer because he had a second surgery. So these reps he's getting throughout the season is kind of what a lot of the guys are doing during the summer to get their games ready to go. And and so I, I'm proud of him. He is the perseverance he has shown. He's grinding away at it. Uh, I know the work he puts in every single day. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's inspiring to me to see how hard he's he's going at it, and, and I, it's going to get better and better. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Mentally, d- does he feel any additional pressure because the results aren't there the way that maybe the fans would like them to be right now? Because what you just mentioned, we've talked about here uh, on the show multiple times, but I go down in history as one of the most underreported stories and surgeries that we've ever had here in Boston. Everybody knew about the initial injury, Mark, but that second surgery where he had to get back in that walking boot and all the progress that he made sort of went out the window – that was something that was barely covered. So when he hears the occasional booze at the garden or he reads the occasional ne- negative articles, does that stuff bother him or does he have the ability to sort of ignore it? Look, he's, he's a human being. I think sometimes we, uh, as fans, you, know, you, you look at these guys and they're kind of superheroes. They're, they're, they're bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic uh, than, than the average guy walking down the street, obviously. But, they're, but, they're, but they got the same feelings that we all do. And they're all... Uh, they're sensitive to how they're viewed by 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 the fans. They're, they they see what's written out there. Um, so so obviously nobody likes to take criticism in any walk of life. Uh, but the biggest thing with Gordon is he's he's so hard on himself. I mean he is a perfectionist. He expects himself to be playing at an elite level, and and so this is hard for him as he as he gains as he tries to get his game back to where it's going to be. It's going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind that's going to happen, but it's what has slowed the process down a little bit again is he's in a different role. There's, there's, there's a lot of variables that go into this other than just, you know, your game getting back to where you want, where, where you want it to be and what we're accustomed to seeing him play. Uh, it will happen. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but in terms of, you know, where he is mentally with it, you know, he, he grinds through it every single day. He would, you know, he would like every night to be, you know, to be back where he was a couple of years ago. It just doesn't happen that way. He's not a, you don't just click a switch and it happens. You got to work your way through it and you got to grind it out every single day in the weight room, on the practice floor, and then through the minutes in the games. And it will happen over time. There's no doubt in my mind about that. A couple other guys that you uh, that you rep that are, you know, one of them's uh, R.J. Hunter, and, and you know he's back with the Celtics. Have you talked to him at all recently? And, and does he think that this is the place where maybe he'll get an opportunity to stick around, maybe next year? Sure, and R.J. I talk to R.J. all the time. Uh, you know, right now he's like he's trying to build a foundation for his career. Uh, things didn't get started the way he wanted to. You know, obviously with being drafted by the Celtics, and then being let go after a year, but. You know, RJ is another a guy that the perseverance he has shown, uh, the determination he has shown to get back to have success in the NBA. Uh, he's he's playing sensational in the G League. Uh, people all throughout the league have taken notice of it. Obviously, the Celtics are one of the teams that took notice of it, and that's why they wanted to bring him back and sign him to a two-way contract. And you know, Danny and I just had a good talk about RJ last week and. And I know he's very much in their plans for the future. One of the other guys that that you rep that was a potential um, 
rumored target of the Celtics, and now he's with the Blazers, is uh, is Enos Cantor. Was there anything there with the Celtics, or was that just the media, you know, with a buyout guy that the Celtics could could use a seven footer? So Cantor was talked about here on the radio. I'm going to tell you for about 72 hours, it was it was Enos Cantor time here in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's a heck of a player. As he's shown obviously with what he's done for the Blazers. You know, they they're they're four and zero. He didn't play tonight because of uh, issues with his passport in Toronto. But you know, they won their first four games with him. And Danny and I talked about uh, the, the concept of him joining the Celtics, but it just it just didn't make sense. Uh, you know, kind of with the, what the role would be in the minutes and um, the way the Celtics are going to play. So it, it was a conversation that we had, but. Um, we just thought the fit in Portland was, 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 was the best opportunity for him at this time. It is Sports Radio WEI. It's Patrick Gilroy here with you guys on Late Night. Joining me on the line right now is NBA Super Agent Mark Bartlestein. And, and Mark, really the reason why I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago was because for about a two-week stretch, we sat here every single night talking NBA, talking Celtics. It was all these rumors about the Anthony Davis move to the to the Lakers being a uh, maybe a reality in season this year. And, of course, that would have potentially blown up what's years of work that Danny Ainge put into put the Celtics in a position to potentially acquire him whenever he told the Pelicans that he wasn't ready to sign uh, a Supermax. And, and we all know that... The Celtics leg- legitimately could not trade for him as long as Kyrie Irving was on the roster. So there were all these scenarios in play. And then all of a sudden, you had what some people are going to call a smear campaign uh, that was issued against Kyrie Irving and the Celtics because out of nowhere, as all this was going down, you had these rumors that maybe Kyrie is not happy here. Maybe Kyrie wants to go join the Lakers in L.A. And ever since then, there has been... Whispers, at least, that, that suggest that these things were born from Rich Paul, who is LeBron's agent, who is Anthony Davis's agent. So tell me, as an agent, is that part of the deal? Is that part of the job to, uh, to work with your players to maybe do something a little, a little dirty to, to help position your players to get together? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to, you know, I don't represent Kyrie or, or you know, Anthony Davis. And so I, I couldn't comment on what is going on, you know, what, what they're, what they're looking to do, or what they're looking to accomplish. You know, I can only speak for, for what we do and the way we handle business. And, um, you know, everything that, for, from my perspective, it, it's always done one way, you know, it, it's, it's face to face, it's behind closed doors. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people, there's a lot of conspiracies out there and the conspiracy theories, I should say, and this is happening and that is happening. Um, from our perspective, we don't live in that world. You know, when there's, when there's something that we think we'd like to accomplish because uh, we think it might be in the player's best interest, then you work with the team and you collaborate, you work together, and you try to find a solution that all sides win with. Um, so, I, again, I can't speak to what all, all those rumors and, and everything that went on there. I just know the kind of how we try to handle things. And, you know, each player uh, has to make a decision on what he thinks is in his best interest. Uh, for himself and his family and his career, and and you know, and I always respect that. I just know the way we try to go about doing things, and uh, it, it's a small world. You want to be able to work with people in a way where they're going to want want to work with you in the future, and and that's that. So that's really just that's all I can say about that. You know? I mean, as an agent, do you always do what the player wants to do, or do you have a good enough relationship where sometimes it's your job to to maybe push back a bit and say, hey, take a look here. Maybe this isn't the situation that you think it is. Well, listen, my, 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 my role, you know, with, with my clients is, uh, they rely on me to advise them, 
to provide the pros and cons to all the alternatives that are out there to walk them through the different ways we can solve problems or to or to or create uh, you know, opportunities in their career that we think might be in their best interest. But you know, make no mistake about it, I, I work for the for the players. You know, they don't work for me. I work for them. And so once I've explained everything to them and I walk through all the options, explain why I think this alternative might be better than the next one. Um, it, at that point, my job is to execute what they want me to do uh, and try to make that happen. And so it's it's always you know doing what's in the best interest of the player. That's my number one responsibility is to help these guys build careers uh, that can you know exceed what all their expectations may be, and to do it in a way where where, where it's done the right way and, and and execute in a way that I think is in their best interest. Hey, Mark, Mark, one of the things that that's come up in Boston, I'd say over the last twelve months, uh, is this notion that. Danny Ainge may have made a tactical mistake and done Isaiah Thomas a disservice, maybe done him dirty is what some people have said. Matter of fact, uh, you know, there's, there's stories around the NBA from, from some players that potentially they, they speak ill of Danny Ainge because you know, he traded a, a great player when he was hurt, when he was down. When you look at what IT accomplished here in Boston, when you look at the fact that he played after the death of his sister, you look at the fact that he played through the hip injury that ultimately cost him almost two years of his career and maybe up to $100 million. Uh, there seems to be some pushback around the league when it comes to Danny Ainge. So as an agent, I'm sure you hear all these things. Is, is, that, is there anything to that where maybe players have some resentment when it comes to the way that the Celtics handled uh, Isaiah Thomas? I don't think there's anything like that at all. Danny does a sensational job. Um, I got I have the utmost respect for Danny. He's 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 forthright, uh, honest about everything. He tells you exactly what he's thinking. Um, you know, we we have a great relationship. I, you know, I, I trust him implicitly, um, and 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 I don't think that that feeling or reputation is out there at all. It's it, you know, whatever. It, when it's all said and done, it, this is a tough business and. It, it is a business, and the teams, you know, rightly so, their their job is to try to make decisions that puts the very best product on the floor for the Celtics fans so they'll enjoy coming to the Garden and tune in and, and, and feel like their team has a chance to win a championship. And that's that's the team's prerogative. And sometimes in, in, they got to make very tough decisions. By the same token, that's why I think it's, it's, it's hard for fans at times in the media to get upset with players when, when they – you know, when they choose an option that might be in their best interest, that maybe is not in the best interest of the team that their fans have been rooting for them, you know, with. So it, it's that's the that's sort of the tension that goes on in this business on a day, on a day from a from a daily perspective is that teams are trying to do everything they can to, to assemble what they think is going to give them the best chance to compete for championships, and players are trying to make decisions. And what's going to give them the best chance to have a long and successful career? And sometimes those two things they don't mesh. In a perfect world, you want it all to, to come together, and, and, and it's kind of the best of all worlds. But but sometimes that rub uh, leads to leads to decisions that can that can create some hard feelings. Um, and, and you don't want to go through that. But I think if people are honest about what they're doing and they're forthright with it, and you're, you're there's a transparency as to what you're thinking and why you're thinking it. Um, then, then you have to respect the decision, and I think teams respect when a player makes a decision that's his best interest, and, and we, we try and do the same thing. Sometimes you don't always like it, and sometimes it breaks your heart uh, when some of these decisions are made, but at the end of the day, we, we all know 
you know, you know, we have we all have a master we got to live up to. From my perspective, it's doing what's in the player's best interest, and from Danny's perspective, he's got to do what's in the best long-term interest of the franchise. Just a couple more things here. I won't keep you for too long, Mark, but uh, I'm fascinated by all this stuff. So, you know, one one of the guys that you used to rep uh, back in Boston was was Antoine Walker, and you know, there's been a lot of talk around here, uh, especially when it comes to Kyrie Irving, about is he a leader? Is he a natural leader? What type of leader is he? Yada yada yada. A lot of talk about leadership. And I, I think back to the, my early days covering the league and covering the Celtics. It was in the early days, the infancy of Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker's days here. And there came a point where you could certainly make the argument that Paul Pierce uh, exceeded the play of Antoine Walker on the court. But without Antoine's leadership, he was more of a natural leader, a vocal leader, and somebody that led uh, both by example and in the locker room. He was somebody that people could rally around, and there was really something to that. Maybe Paul Pierce wouldn't have had the initial success in his earlier career without an Antoine Walker, and then he gets a Kevin Garnett in the back end, another natural-born leader, and voila, Paul Pierce's career was certainly aided by playing with two great big men that happen to be two great leaders. So we hear a lot about a guy like Scott Boris and his binders that he brings in that proves out you know, how, how valuable his particular players are. I'm sure you guys all have numbers after numbers after numbers that help explain why guys are worth something. How do you put a value on leadership? A guy like Marcus Smart, so to speak, where he may never average more than 12 points a night, but he just got close to $60 million. How does an agent sell value in leadership to these to these uh, uh, NBA teams? Well, those are the intangibles that um, I think it's from our perspective. It's it's so important that you're not just you know picking up a box score and valuing a player based on the numbers he puts up and what his analytics show, but but really understanding what that player does bring to the table every day. What what where is his voice in the locker room? Where are his leadership skills? How does he make the game easier for his teammates? You know, all of those are things that sometimes are very difficult to, to, to measure, but they're critical to, to success. And so that's where, um, you know, I, I think having, having a dialogue and having credibility with all the, the members of the front office throughout the league where you have a story to tell about a player that you think has those intangibles, um, if you have that credibility, you're going to be able to get that story across. And it, there's no question what you're saying is, 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 is on target. Everybody has got the analytics. Everybody's got all the different ways to measure a player's value to a team in terms of the numbers. But there are things that just don't show up statistically that are invaluable to a team. When you're going through a four-game losing streak and someone calls a team meeting and gets guys back together, when you, someone ramps up the level of practice every single day, when someone makes the extra pass to get someone going who is struggling, those are all things that just you can't measure, but the guys on the team know how important it is. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's my job to obviously get that message across when you have a player that you think has those qualities. Last one for me, Mark. Uh, Antoine's actually been a buddy of mine for years. Uh, we first met, I was, a, uh, I was working over at the Garden, and he handed me a $100 bill to go buy him a McDonald's sandwich. Let me keep the change. He was a rookie. It was 96. I was 17 years old, and that's how we sparked up a friendship. And we've maintained that friendship. He comes on the show a few times a year. I've done his podcast and whatnot. But I'm fascinated by Antoine's comeback attempt uh, four or five years ago when he went to the G League. Because very rarely do you see former All-Stars, guys that might still have something left in the tank, that put their pride to the side and try to work their way back up through the G League. In your opinion, do you ever think that the G League or maybe even the Big Three will become a viable option for older players to try and find an avenue back to the NBA? 
You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, the G League certainly is an option. There's a lot of players that that, that are in their mid late twenties to go to the G League and try to you know get back to the NBA. And it's worked for a number of guys. I'm not sure that the big three will be that, but you never know. I mean, I know players are enjoying playing in the big three. Uh, you know, the one thing you have to remember is that these guys, uh, th- th- there's one common thread they all have, and that never really goes away. They they love the game. They love the game of basketball. They they grew up playing it because they loved it. They thought, you know, they, they it's, it's something that, you know, they were playing three on three in the driveway at the park, you know, in the gym, all of that. And so I think that that's what you see for a lot of guys, that, that they just, they love being around the game. That's why you see so many guys when they're done playing, they go into coaching or, or, or in the front office. And so uh, the G League has come a long, long ways over the last four or five years. Adam Silver's done a sensational job of having the teams, you know, buy the franchises and invest real resources and player development inside the G League. And the big three, you know, I thought did really well last year. And I know there's a, there's a lot of guys uh, that are just, you know, sort of, that have just finished their NBA careers and are now looking to continue playing in the big three. So we'll, we'll see how it progresses and, it, you know, I think anything that helps grow the game and gives players more opportunities is always a good thing. All right, NBA super agent Mark Bartlestein. Mark, I really appreciate you staying up late and working this thing out with me uh, to join us on the program here tonight. And, and real quick, before you go, uh, are, are you going to tell the fans here in Boston that, in your opinion, Gordon Hayward will be back to Utah Jazz, Gordon Hayward, b- next year at some point? There, there's no doubt in my mind. It, 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 you know, my guess is he doesn't get his game all the way back. You know, we're, we're accustomed to seeing it until next year just because he, he's going to need a summer to kind of get back in the gym and sort of get back in the laboratory to say in the weight room and building everything he did this year. But there's, there's not a doubt in my mind. He, he'll be back. He'll be an all-star in this league many, many times over. It's just this is what, what people don't – I don't think people understand the severity of the injury, the second surgery, missing an entire season and a summer where you can't really go work on your game. These are things that, that you can't put a you can't place the proper value on it. So he's trying to do this in the course of the season. That's a difficult thing to do because you can't you don't even really practice much during the course of the season. The games come so fast. He'll 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 be he'll be right back uh, where we're used to seeing him. Just, everybody needs to be a little bit patient with him. That's all. All right, Mark. I appreciate you staying up late with us, and hopefully we get to uh, do this again real soon. All right, take care. All right. Go down in history is one of the most underreported stories and surgeries that we've ever had here in Boston. Everybody knew about the initial injury, Mark, but that second surgery where he had to get back in that walking boot and all the progress that he made sort of went out the window, that was something that was barely covered. So when he hears the occasional booze at the garden or he reads the occasional ne- negative articles, does that stuff bother him or does he have the ability to sort of ignore it? Look, he's he's a human being. I think sometimes we, uh, as fans, you know, you, you look at these guys and they're kind of superheroes. They're 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 bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic uh, than than the average guy walking down the street, obviously. But they're but they're but they got the same feelings that we all do, and they're all uh, they're sensitive to how they're viewed by 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 the fans. They're they they see what's written out there. Um, so, so obviously nobody likes to take criticism in any walk of life. Uh, but the biggest thing with Gordon is he's, he's so hard on himself. I mean, he is a perfectionist. He expects himself to be playing at an elite level. And, and so this is hard for him as he, as he gains, as, as he tries to get his game back to where it's going to be. It's going to happen. There's no doubt in my mind that it's going to happen, but it's, 
what has slowed the process down a little bit again is he's in a different role. There's, there's, there's a lot of variables that go into this other than just, you know, your game getting back to where you want, where, where you want it to be and what we're accustomed to seeing him play. Uh, it will happen. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but in terms of, you know, where he is mentally with it, you know, he, he grinds through it every single day. He would, you know, he would like every night to be, you know, to be back where he was a couple of years ago. It just doesn't happen that way. He's, he's not a, you don't just click a switch and it happens. You got to work your way through it and you got to grind it out every single day in the weight room, on the practice floor, and then through the minutes in the games. And it will happen over time. There's no doubt in my mind about that. A couple other guys that you uh, that you rep that are, you know, one of them's uh, R.J. Hunter, and, and you know he's back with the Celtics. Have you talked to him at all recently? And, and does he think that this is the place where maybe he'll get an opportunity to stick around, maybe next year? Sure, no, R.J. I talk to R.J. all the time. Uh, you know, right now he's like he's trying to build a foundation for his career. Uh, things didn't get started the way he wanted to. You know, obviously with being drafted by the Celtics and then being let go after a year, but. You know, RJ is another a guy that the perseverance he has shown, uh, the determination he has shown to get back to have success in the NBA. Uh, he's he's playing sensational in the G League. Uh, people all throughout the league have taken notice of it. Obviously, the Celtics are one of the teams that took notice of it. And that's why they wanted to bring him back and sign him to a two-way contract. And you know, Danny and I just had a good talk about RJ last week and. And I know he's very much in their plans for the future. One of the other guys that that you rep that was a potential um, rumored target of the Celtics, and now he's with the Blazers, is uh, is Enos Cantor. Was there anything there with the Celtics, or was that just the media, you know, with a buyout guy that the Celtics could could use a seven footer? So Cantor was talked about here on the radio. I'm going to tell you for about 72 hours, it was it was Enos Cantor time here in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's a heck of a player. As he's shown obviously with what he's done for the Blazers. You know, they and, and he, they're they're four and zero. He didn't play tonight because of uh, issues with his passport in Toronto. But you know, they won their first four games with him. And Danny and I talked about uh, the, the concept of him joining the Celtics, but it just it just didn't make sense. Uh, you know, kind of with the what the role would be in the minutes and um, the way the Celtics are going to play. So it, it was a conversation that we had, but. Um, we just thought the fit in Portland was, 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 was the best opportunity for him at this time. It is Sports Radio WEI. It's Patrick Gilroy here with you guys on Late Night. Joining me on the line right now is NBA Super Agent Mark Bartlestein. And, and Mark, really the reason why I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago was because for about a two-week stretch, we sat here every single night talking NBA, talking Celtics. It was all these rumors about the Anthony Davis move to the to the Lakers being a uh, maybe a reality in season this year. And, of course, that would have potentially blown up what's years of work that Danny Ainge put into put the Celtics in a position to potentially acquire him whenever he told the Pelicans that he wasn't ready to sign uh, a Supermax. And, and we all know that... The Celtics legitimately could not trade for him as long as Kyrie Irving was on the roster. So there were all these scenarios in play. And then all of a sudden, you had what some people are going to call a smear campaign uh, that was issued against Kyrie Irving and the Celtics because out of nowhere, as all this was going down, you had these rumors that maybe Kyrie is not happy here. Maybe Kyrie wants to go join the Lakers in L.A. And ever since then, there's been... Whispers, at least, that, that suggest that these things were born from Rich Paul, who is LeBron's agent, who is Anthony Davis's agent. So tell me, as an agent, is that part of the deal? Is that part of the job to, uh, to work with your players to maybe do something a little, a little dirty to, to help position your players to get together? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to, you know, I don't represent 
Kyrie or, or you know, Anthony Davis. And so I, I could comment on what is going on, you know, what, what they're what they're looking to do or what they're looking to accomplish. You know, I can only speak for for what we do and the way we handle business and um you know, everything that for from my perspective, it's always done one way, you know, it's 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 face to face, it's behind closed doors and um, you know, I, I know a lot of people. There's a lot of conspiracies out there, and there conspiracy theories, I should say. And this is happening, and that is happening. Um, from our perspective, we don't live in that world. You know, when there's when there's something that we think we'd like to accomplish because uh, we think it might be in the players' best interest, then you work with the team and you collaborate, you work together, and you try to find a solution that all sides win with. Um, so I, again, I can't speak to what all, all those rumors and, and everything that went on there. I just know the kind. Of, how we try to handle things. And, you know, each player uh, has to make a decision on what he thinks is in his best interest uh, for himself and his family and his career. And, and, you know, and I always respect that. I just know the way we try to go about doing things. And uh, it's a small world. You want to be able to work with people in a way where they're going to want to work with you in the future. And, and that's, so that's really just, that's all I can say about that. I mean, as an agent, do you always do what the player wants to do? Or do you have a good enough relationship where sometimes it's your job to to maybe push back a bit and say, hey, take a look here. Maybe this isn't the situation that you think it is. Well, listen, my my my, my role you know, with, with my clients is uh, they rely on me to advise them, to provide the pros and cons to all the alternatives that are out there, to walk them through the different ways we can solve problems or to, or to or create um, uh, you know, opportunities in their career that we think might be in their best interest. But, you know, make no mistake about it, I, I work for the, for the players. You know, they don't work for me. I work for them. And so once I've explained everything to them and I walk through all the options, explain why I think this alternative might be better than the next one, um, it, at that point my job is to execute what they want me to do uh, and try to make that happen. And so it's, it's always, you know, doing what's in the best interest of the player. That's my number one responsibility is to help these guys build careers uh, that can, you know, exceed what all their expectations may be and to do it in a way where, where, where it's done the right way and, and, and execute in a way that I think is in their best interest. Hey, Mark, Mark, one of the things that, that's come up in Boston, I'd say over the last 12 months, uh, is this notion that, Danny Ainge may have made a tactical mistake and done Isaiah Thomas a disservice, maybe done him dirty is what some people have said. Matter of fact, uh, you know, there's, there's stories around the NBA from, from some players that potentially they, they speak ill of Danny Ainge because you know, he traded a, a great player when he was hurt, when he was down. When you look at what IT accomplished here in Boston, when you look at the fact that he played after the death of his sister, you look at the fact that he played through the hip injury that ultimately cost him almost two years of his career and maybe up to $100 million. Uh, there seems to be some pushback around the league when it comes to Danny Ainge. So as an agent, I'm sure you hear all these things. Is, is, that, is there anything to that where maybe players have some resentment when it comes to the way that the Celtics handled uh, Isaiah Thomas? I don't think there's anything like that at all. Danny does a sensational job. Um, I got I have the utmost respect for Danny. He's 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 forthright, uh, honest about everything. He tells you exactly what he's thinking. Um, you know, we we have a great relationship. I, you know, I, I trust him implicitly, um, and 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 I don't think that that feeling or reputation is out there at all. It's it, you know, whatever. It, when it's all said and done, it, this is a tough business, and. It, it is a business, and the teams 
you know, rightly so. Their, their job is to try to make decisions that puts the very best product on the floor for the Celtics fans. So they'll enjoy coming to the garden and tune in and, and, and feel like their team has a chance to win a championship. And that's, that's the team's prerogative. And sometimes in, in, they got to make very tough decisions. By the same token, that's why I think it's, it's, it's hard for fans at times in the media to get upset with players when, when they, you know, when, when they choose an option that might be in their best interest, that maybe is not in the best interest of the team that their fans have been rooting for them, you know, with. So it, it's, that's the that's sort of the tension that goes on in this business on a day, on a day from a from a daily perspective is that teams are trying to do everything they can to, to assemble what they think is to give them the best chance to compete for championships, and players are trying to make decisions on what's going to give them the best chance to have a long and successful career. And sometimes those two things they don't mesh. In a perfect world, you want it all to, to come together, and 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 it's kind of the best of all worlds, but. But sometimes that rub uh, leads to leads to decisions that can that can create some hard feelings, um, and, and you don't want to go through that. But I think if people are honest about what they're doing and they're forthright with it, and you're, you're there's a transparency as to what you're thinking and why you're thinking it, um, then then you have to respect the decision. And I think teams respect when a player makes a decision that's his best interest, and and we we try and do the same thing. Sometimes you don't always like it. And sometimes it breaks your heart uh, when some of these decisions are made. But at the end of the day, we, we all know, you know, you know, we have we all have a master we got to live up to. From my perspective, it's doing what's in the players' best interest, and from Danny's perspective, he's got to do what's in the best long-term interest of the franchise. Just a couple more things here. I won't keep you for too long, Mark. But uh, I'm fascinated by all this stuff. So you know, one one of the guys that <clears throat> you used to rep. Uh, back in Boston was, was Antoine Walker. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk around here, uh, especially when it comes to Kyrie Irving, about is he a leader? Is he a natural leader? What type of leader is he? Yada, yada, yada. A lot of talk about leadership. And I, I think back to the, my early days covering the league and covering the Celtics. It was in the early days, the infancy of Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker's days here. And there came a point where you could certainly make the argument that Paul Pierce uh, exceeded the play of Antoine Walker on the court. But without Antoine's leadership, he was more of a natural leader, a vocal leader, and somebody that led uh, both by example and in the locker room. He was somebody that people could rally around, and there was really something to that. Maybe Paul Pierce wouldn't have had the initial success in his earlier career without an Antoine Walker. And then he gets a Kevin Garnett in the back end, another natural-born leader. And voila, Paul Pierce's career was certainly aided by playing with two great big men that happened to be two great leaders. So we hear a lot about a guy like Scott Boris and his binders that he brings in that proves out you know, how, how valuable his particular players are. I'm sure you guys all have numbers after numbers after numbers that help explain why guys are worth something. How do you put a value on leadership? A guy like Marcus Smart, so to speak, where he may never average more than 12 points a night, but he just got close to $60 million. How does an agent sell value in leadership to these to these uh, uh, NBA teams? Well, those are the intangibles that um, I think it's from our perspective. It's it's so important that you're not just you know picking up a box score and valuing a player based on the numbers he puts up and what does analytics show, but but really understanding what that player does bring to the table every day. What what where is his voice in the locker room? Where are his leadership skills? How does he make the game easier for his teammates? You know, all of those are things that sometimes are very difficult to, to, to measure, but they're critical to, to success. And so that's where, 
um, you know, I, I think having having a dialogue and having credibility with all the fr- the members of the front office throughout the league, where you have a story to tell about a player that you think has those intangibles, um, if you have that credibility, you're going to be able to get that story across. And it, there's no question what you're saying is is is, is on target. Everybody has got the analytics. Everybody's got all the different ways to measure a player's value to a team in terms of the numbers. But there are things that just don't show up statistically that are invaluable to a team. When you're going through a four-game losing streak and someone calls a team meeting and gets guys back together, when someone ramps up the level of practice every single day, when someone makes the extra pass to get someone going who is struggling, those are all things that just you, you can't measure, but the guys on the team know how important it is. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's my job to obviously get that message across when you have a player that you think has those qualities. Last one for me, Mark. Uh, Antoine's actually been a, a buddy of mine for years. Uh, we first met, I was, a, uh, I was working over at the Garden, and he handed me a $100 bill to go buy him a McDonald's sandwich. Let me keep the change. He was a rookie. It was 96. I was 17 years old, and, and that's how we sparked up a friendship. And, and we've maintained that friendship. He comes on the show a few times a year. I've done his podcast and whatnot. But I'm fascinated by Antoine's comeback attempt uh, four or five years ago when he went to the G League. Because very rarely do you see former All-Stars, guys that might still have something left in the tank, that put their pride to the side and try to work their way back up through the G League. In your opinion, do you ever think that the G League or maybe even the Big Three will become a viable option for older players to try and find an avenue back to the NBA? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, the G League certainly is an option. There's a lot of players that that, that are in their mid late twenties to go to the G League and try to you know get back to the NBA and it's worked for a number of guys. I'm not sure that the Big Three will be that, but you never know. I mean, I know players are enjoying playing in the Big Three. Uh, you know, the one thing you have to remember is that these guys, uh, th- th- there's one common thread they all have, and that never really goes away. They they love the game. They love the game of basketball. They they grew up playing it because they loved it. They thought you know they they it's, it's something that you know they were playing three on three in the driveway at the park you know in the gym, all of that. And so I think that that's what you see for a lot of guys that that they just they love being around the game. That's why you see so many guys when they're done playing they go into coaching or or, or in the front office. And so uh, the G League has come a long long ways over the last four or five years. Adam Silver's done a sensational job of having the teams you know buy the franchises and invest real resources and player development inside the g league and the big three you know i thought did really well last year and i know there's a there's a lot of guys uh that are just you know sort of that have just finished their nba careers that are now looking to continue playing in the big three so we'll, we'll see how it progresses and it, you know i think anything that helps grow the game and gives players more opportunities is always a good thing. All right, NBA super agent Mark Bartlestein. Mark, I really appreciate you staying up late and working this thing out with me uh, to join us on the program here tonight. And, and real quick, before you go, uh, are, are you going to tell the fans here in Boston that, in your opinion, Gordon Hayward will be back to Utah Jazz, Gordon Hayward, b- next year at some point? There, there's no doubt in my mind. It, 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 you know, my guess is he doesn't get his game all the way back. You know, we're, we're, we're accustomed to seeing it until next year, just because he, he's going to need a summer to kind of get back in the gym and sort of get back in the laboratory to stay in the weight room and build everything he did this year. But there's, there's not a doubt in my mind. He, he'll be back. He'll be an all-star in this league many, many times over. It's just, this is what, what people don't, I, I don't think people understand the severity of the injury, the second surgery, 
missing an entire season and a summer where you can't really go work on your game. These are things that, that, that you can't put a, you can't place the proper value on it. So he's trying to do this in the course of the season. That's a difficult thing to do because you can't, you don't even really practice much during the course of the season. The games come so fast. He'll, he'll, he'll be, he'll be right back. Uh, where we're used to seeing him. Everybody needs to be a little bit patient with him. That's all. All right, Mark, I appreciate you staying up late with us, and hopefully we get to uh, do this again real soon. All right, take care. All All the best. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.